Hello and welcome to the Striker Balance podcast for working homeschool mums. This is Charlotte Jones, homeschool coach and homeschooling mum of twin boys. I know it can feel really overwhelming to keep all the balls in the air all the time. So each week I chat about tips and strategies for being a happy and thriving working homeschool mum that you can implement in your life too. I also speak to awesome and inspiring women who manage to juggle homeschooling and work successfully and find out what their secrets are. Be sure to check out my Working Homeschool Mom Magic Mindset Challenge in the show notes and sign up to my newsletter for lots of cool homeschool freebies. And if you ever need to chat, please book in a session with me. I'm so excited for you to be here and I hope you'll get so much value out of this episode. So let's get started. So today I'm going to be talking to Cynthia and Justine, founders of the Learn and Live Letter. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you both here. Thank you. We're so excited to be here. Yes, thank you so much. Fantastic. So before we get into the nitty gritty, I like to warm up with a question that I really love. So if you were to publish your autobiography today, what would the title be and why? Maybe we can start with Cynthia. Uh, my autobiography would be, I'm smarter today than I was yesterday. Okay, fantastic. And why would you call it, why would you name it that? Well, I'll talk a little bit about it later more in detail, but basically I feel like homeschooling has taught me that learning never ends. And I've learned so much through the process of homeschooling my children that I think it's underestimated how much a parent gets to learn right along with their child when they homeschool. Absolutely, that's so true. And uh, Justine, what would yours be? So I was actually joking with Cynthia that I had a really hard time with this because I feel like I have no business writing an autobiography yet. (laughs) Uh, But I think if it was a personal one, uh, the title I came up with was Resting Nice Face uh, because... (laughs) I have found that being kind has been a really big asset in my career over time. Um, And we also joke a lot that part of the success of our reels is people like looking at my face, apparently. So (laughs) it's sort of become an inside joke in our company. Uh, But if I was writing an autobiography from the perspective of owning our company, I feel like our kind of catchphrase has become learn and live how to feel like the boss of your homeschool. So I have two answers. <laughs> okay, fantastic. Yes, we all love to see your face on reels. That is definitely. <laughs> I can I agree with that. Um, okay, so maybe you could um, tell me a little bit about yourself, uh, Cynthia, um, about obviously what you do and then also your kids and, and homeschooling and things like that. My name is Cynthia Holt and I'm an entrepreneur. I'm the co-founder of a homeschool curriculum called the Learn and Live Letter. And of course, I'm also a homeschool mom. I have three children. My oldest is 19 years old, and he's already graduated from school. I also have a 16-year-old son who's in high school. He, in the U.S., is in 11th grade. Um, And then I have a four-year-old who is just starting his homeschool journey. And he, of course, is one of our main learn and live testers. (laughs) Okay, quite a big gap between the the kids. Um, And Justine, what about you? 
Uh, my name is Justine LaMonaco. I'm the other co-founder of the Learn and Live Letter. I started my career in journalism with a really heavy emphasis on digital media. And from there, my path kind of wound around through marketing and social media management. And then when I had my first child, I quit the corporate life and I started working for a parenting startup focused on empowering millennial moms. Um, I had a lot of titles within that company over about a six-year period, but my last on-staff role was in creating and managing a lifestyle newsletter. Um, I have two girls. They're now ages six and three. And because I was had been friends with Cynthia, I had homeschooling had become part of my plan for them. So we had started homeschooling right before the year before the pandemic. Um, and when it happened, I started seeing my coworkers really panicking about being thrown into this world. And I had this newsletter writing experience, empowering women to feel more confident in their roles as mothers and the other hats that they had to wear. And Cynthia had this vast knowledge about homeschooling and all the different mm -hmm. philosophies. And it seemed like a really good marriage to bring those together and use them to help other moms, other parents feel confident entering their own homeschool journey. Yes, I remember seeing parents who were kind of forced into homeschooling at the beginning of the pandemic. It was, yeah, it was difficult to watch because I know even as somebody myself who chose to homeschool, it's so mm -hmm. difficult in the beginning, isn't it? <laughs> really is. Right, yeah. yeah. Okay, so obviously um, homeschooling is fantastic. I think obviously most of us agree with that. But what do you do when times are tough? How do you get through those kinds of times, Cynthia? Well, I feel like there are definitely times where homeschooling in general is very difficult. For those really tough homeschool days, I've learned through the years that sometimes you have to know when to say when. In my experience, obviously, because I have older children, I have some perspective on this. And I feel like as kids get older, it does get harder because on the one hand, you want to make them resilient and you want them to learn that sometimes you have to do things that are hard. And I think as homeschoolers, we kind of get in our own head where we don't want to raise kids that give up when things are hard. So it kind of becomes a balancing act. And I really have to put myself in their shoes and try to figure out if the problem is emotional or academic. Sometimes a preteen or a teen will want to give up just because he doesn't understand the lesson or doesn't he doesn't want to fail or doesn't want to feel like he's failing. I have found in those times it's best to take a break and talk about our feelings and figure out what is the cause of those feelings. And having those conversations can be really helpful because at times I've discovered that maybe the problem is that they're bored because the lesson is too redundant. That happened to my oldest son at one point in middle school with math. Um, he had just gotten so frustrated with the program we were using because it was very redundant. And we agreed that as long as he was getting the right answers, he didn't have to complete all of them because he just felt like it was a waste of time. And then other times we've met up with struggles because things were too difficult. So if a book, for example, was too difficult that I've assigned them to read, it became a read aloud. Um, so I just think it's important to have honest and open communication about what the struggle is and look for a solution together. And that made me feel like we weren't giving up when something got hard, but that we were working the problem. Sure, absolutely. And I think that's also such a wonderful thing about homeschooling is the flexibility to be able to do that if needed, to be able to change um, and to be able to adapt when needed. And uh, what about you, Justine? What do you do when yeah. times get tough? <laughs> 
Similar to Cynthia, I, I have younger children. So mm -hmm. if we are having a really bad homeschool day, we don't do homeschool. Mm -hmm. And something that I've really embraced recently is that there's just zero benefit to forcing it at this age. Mm -hmm. If it's not working, we drop it. I would rather have her last memory of doing lessons be something positive and something that she enjoyed and wants to do again and rather than something she was forced into doing and hated and becomes something that she starts to dread. It's very important to me to foster a love of learning much more so than to focus on making sure we're checking every skill box right now. And so if something is going wrong, we skip a day or we might skip a day or two. And instead I'll try to change our environment, get us outside, do something physical, uh, go to a playground or go on a walk. And we might come back to the activity if it's something that I think if she was feeling more emotionally regulated, she would actually enjoy it. Or we might skip it altogether. And the beauty of our homeschool program is that those skills are covered again and again with different themes and in different styles. So if it doesn't stick the first time around, I know there will be other opportunities. And I've learned to kind of let go of the pressure on myself to feel like we need to do every single thing. We need to accomplish and understand every single skill before we can move on. And instead, just kind of give it some space. Uh, let her have the positive experience, have the moment of connection, like Cynthia was saying, and then come back to the skill later. And you're laying such a good foundation then for future learning as well. And um, how do you stay organized? Because obviously being a working homeschool mom, you often have many, many, many things to do in a day. How do you generally stay organized, Cynthia? Well, I crave organization, but I'm not exactly as structured as, I guess, some people might think. <laughs> I kind of break down my days in two different ways. I really enjoy block scheduling, which is when you just set aside a certain amount of time to get certain things done. And for homeschooling, I use block scheduling for our traditional lessons. And that means that I set aside about an hour to do our lessons. And whatever we get done in that time is what we get done. And then for other things, I really like using task lists. So for things like my work, for learn and live and for my housework, I make a list and just tack them off one at a time. And that just makes me feel accomplished and like I'm not letting things slip through the cracks. So those are my two mindsets with organization. And what about you, Justine? I'm also a naturally pretty organized person. I actually, I love a schedule. <laughs> I like things to be really regimented for myself, uh, but I've had to learn that that doesn't always work for young children. And instead of prioritizing the schedule or the checklist or what I feel like we need to do that day, I've gotten, more, I've gotten better at um, tapping into our rhythm. And similarly, I do block our day. Uh, we usually start out with playtime in the morning because my girls wake up with a lot of energy. They, wanted, they want to do things um, without necessarily sitting down and focusing on something. Um, and that gives me some time to get work done. Um, I'm involved in some volunteer work that I do in the morning. And then by the time lunch rolls around, they're craving something a little bit more structured. Um, and so we have about an hour, an hour and a half of that intentional schooling. Um, and then the rest of our school is sort of folded into what we refer to as organic learning throughout the day, whether it's just reading together or going outside, um, seeing those real life connections of what we've been learning about. But it's also me meant that I've had to really scale back uh, the work that I'm doing professionally. Um, so that means that those blocks of time are very deliberately scheduled throughout the day in, in areas where I know they're not going to conflict. Because when I was trying to do all these things at once, it was just... I wasn't doing anything well, and it was really stressful for all of us. 
I loved your reel with the amount of hours that you have to, or that kids have to do homeschool in the day. I loved it. Oh, thank you. I saw it did really well because it's so true though, isn't it? Because you think that kids, especially when you start that you need to homeschool your kids for eight hours a day, which is obviously not the case. Right. Uh. Yeah. That, that's something we hear a lot that people mm. just have an idea in their mind that if they're not homeschooling the same amount of time, traditional children or traditionally mm. schooled children are in school that they're not doing enough. Um, and they end up just cramming a lot of busy work into their day to fill those hours uh, but when you are really deliberate with that intentional schooling time, we found it's probably a lot less needed than what you might think. And uh, how important do you think mindset is for being a successful working homeschool mom, Cynthia? I think it's so important. I really have to focus on my why consistently. I have to think about what makes what made us want to start this business in the first place. I get a lot of fulfillment from helping homeschoolers go through this journey. But at the same time, I want our business to grow for our family financially. So keeping my goals in, clearly in mind helps me to keep on track. Um, and also being a good example for my older kids, especially, where they see that I'm working hard. They see me balancing the work I have to do at home for my business and also taking care of them and schooling them. And for me, sometimes it has been a struggle. And I hope that them seeing me make adjustments and trying to meet my goals, um, also making sacrifices to be able to continue to homeschool them. I hope that all helps them. And that, of course, helps me because I feel like that's part of my job as a, as a parent in general. Absolutely. And what about you, Justine? I agree. I think it's so important. And I thank my lucky stars every day that when I entered into homeschool, I had Cynthia's example because I had someone who had all this perspective that you don't usually get when you first start homeschooling. I know I felt this way. I hear this from so many other new homeschool moms. You you feel overwhelmed in the beginning because it there's a lot of pressure that we put on ourselves, that society puts on us, that if we're going to do this, we have to live up to a lot of expectations. And when you're trying to do all the things, it's really easy to just set your expectations too high and lose track of what your actual values are and why you're doing this. So for me, it was really finding that place of what my expectations should be, what are actually reasonable expectations of my children and myself, and finding ways to prioritize. I have found that the great thing about kids is they adapt to so many things, and we adapt to so many things too. So when something is really challenging in the beginning and even feels impossible. If you can just give yourself time and space to learn it better and to keep trying, it becomes routine over time. So my advice for mindset is always don't don't expect it to go smoothly at first. And if it is if it's hard, if it's not going perfectly in the beginning, it doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. It might just actually be that challenging. And if, if you can learn to be flexible and really stay hyper-focused on what actually matters to you and what you truly need and honor that, then you'll be much more successful and find a lot more joy. Flexibility. I say, oh, I love flexibility. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Obviously, uh, self-care is something that also needs to be prioritized, I think, especially as working homeschool moms. So what does that look like for you, Cynthia? Well, this last entry into motherhood with the birth of my son in, in 2017, it was obviously a big surprise. As you mentioned, there's a big gap <laughs> between my two older kids. So that was actually really difficult for me. It was a big transition for me to go back to caring for a baby after having my two older children grown up. But it also gave me 
um, an opportunity to really think about what I needed this time around. And what I realized how important sleep was for my mental and emotional health. And so I made that a priority and I, and I talk about sleep like self-care. I think it's one of the most important things I was able to do with my, with my newborn was to create healthy sleep habits and routines. And by making sleep a priority, I was just ensuring that I was going to get enough rest and that investment really paid off for me. Just having him have regular sleep and wake uh, routines, regular nap routines, uh, just a bedtime that was predictable, really was a huge, huge shift for my mental health this time around, having a child, uh, a newborn. Additionally, I also, I know it sounds kind of frivolous, but I have really enjoyed spending time learning how to deal with my curly hair. (laughs) So (laughs) I spend a lot of time doing that. And it's part of my self-care. It makes me feel physically and emotionally happy to, to take care of myself and to give myself that time. I also enjoy giving myself home facials. I don't like exercising, but I try to make that part of my routine. And I find that Pilates is the gentlest way that I have successfully been able to to do that. Sure, yes. As a fellow curly haired person I know <laughs> that it is a, <laughs> Yes, it's a it's a big job, it's true. <laughs> That's why I've actually cut my hair, to be honest. <laughs> All right. And what about you, Justine? So Cynthia and I joke a lot that we are very similar, but the one area that we diverge sharply is that I love working out. So that is definitely something for me that I am very protective of, the time that I get to spend being active and physical. I have a Peloton, and I'm mildly obsessed with it. Um, It makes it easy to fit it in without having to leave my house, so that has been really nice. I also really crave social time with my friends, and I, I like my alone time a lot more than I feel like I even realized before we went through the pandemic and I was sort of forced into it, but I need spots throughout my month where I'm doing something social. Um, I get so I, that fills up my cup in a lot of ways. Um, and then my third big thing is music. I grew up singing and that was such a big part of my life for a really long time. And then I sort of lost it in adulthood. I wasn't really having the opportunities to sing or perform in any way. I realized that's something I really missed. Um, so making those opportunities for myself to, even if it's just singing with my girls now and having music lessons with them. Uh, we have some friends that love to do karaoke and that's a lot of fun for me. And I've also recently started learning to play piano. And that's um, been really satisfying for me. It's just something that I've wanted to do for a really long time. And when I carve out, you know, even just 15 minutes a day to work on that, it really fulfills me. Okay, so you spoke uh, kind of about block scheduling, but what does your kind of a yearly schedule look like uh, in terms of holidays and things like that, Cynthia? So our schedule, when my kids were older, we homeschooled. 360 days, 365 days a year. That's kind of how we approached it. We never did like a traditional school schedule and we broke it down by seasons because what I realized was that when it was summer, we were still learning. We were still doing things, but it was mostly outside. So I felt like uh, we would continue to do things involving reading and we would continue working on our math skills, but we weren't necessarily inside doing science experiments. We were outside 
just living, doing beach and hikes. And my boys love camping, so we would plan those. And so it would really, we would really work with through the seasons. And that worked really well for us when my kids were younger. And I kind of like that. My, and it sort of set the tone for one of our biggest, I guess, mantras, which is that learning is part of life. And you don't stop learning because it's summertime. You don't stop learning really ever. You just make it a natural part of the way your family exists. Absolutely. And that's why also the, the kind of those very uh, dedicated hours to homeschooling can be a lot less because there's so much learning that happens throughout the day in so many different ways when, when kids yes. are homeschooled. That's what I love about it. And what about you, Justine? What is What does your year look like in terms of schedule? So exactly like what you're saying, we that intentional learning time, um, we do follow a seasonal approach with our lesson plans at Learn and Live. Mm-hmm. And my girls that's the only school that they're doing, the only official school. Um, mm-hmm. And they have some lessons that they do. My older one does. She she is also learning piano and she's done a couple um, different classes on out school and things like that. But we do intentional lessons from fall to springtime. And then in the summer, we don't really have any intentional schooling that we do. But because of the way that we do school, it naturally works its way into our everyday life. Um, so when we are going on vacations or we're going to the beach and we're doing hikes in the woods, there's so many opportunities to point out the real life version of whatever they've been learning about and make those connections throughout the year. And um, my oldest is delightful because she loves school so much. And even when I want to take a break, she's asking to do lessons. We just had fall break in our curriculum and every single day she would come downstairs and tell me, I don't like fall break. I want to do school. <laughs> and oh, I was like, lucky. I know. I know. Like, I can't really get mad at her because I wanted a kid who loved learning, right? So with us, we are naturally working it throughout our day. We do a lot of reading. We do a lot of arts and crafts and spend a lot of time outside. So it never really feels like school stops. We do take a break from the intentional learning because that does take a lot more preparation on my part. And I need a little break now and then. Sure. Yeah, be careful what you what you wish for. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, all right. Okay, we did speak a little bit about tough homeschool days, but what would be kind of one thing that you would really recommend for somebody who's having a really bad homeschool day? Uh, Cynthia? Well, I feel like it's important to just remember that kids are not only always learning, but that everything that we do is just part of family life. Um, I feel like in general, some of the hardest days that we have, like we talked about, sometimes you just need to take a break and just spend time with your family and, and reconnect. And that really, I think, makes homeschooling more authentic. I think that one of the big messages that we talk a lot about at Learn and Live is that there's really no stop and start to being a homeschooler. It, it really is a way of life. And when you're having those challenges, it's okay to stop and reevaluate and figure out you know, why this is hard and, and just kind of do the mental work of figuring it out. And, and I think that when you do that, it rolls out into more success because you don't get caught up into, in, in doing things uh, simply because this is what we perceive the school way to be. Or I think another big part of is of it um, also becomes what we think the kid has to learn by a certain amount of time. 
And if we pull away from that, then we become more successful as well. So true. And what about you, Justine? What would be one piece of advice you could give somebody having a really bad homeschool day? For me, because my girls are young, a bad homeschool day for us is usually a day that is marked by tantrums or resistance or just full-on meltdowns because of something that is going on that really has nothing to do with the lesson a lot of the time. Um, So for me, I've learned to try to take a step back from it. Instead of thinking my child is giving me a hard time, they are having a hard time. And what can I do to address that? And sometimes it's that they need a change of environment. Sometimes it's that they they need to do something very physical because they need to move a lot at this age. And if they are really resisting a particular activity or skill consistently, I've tried to figure out what it is that is fueling that resistance. And a lot of the time it comes down to an insecurity that my daughter doesn't think she can do it. So she doesn't want to try because she doesn't want to fail, which adults do the same thing. That's what we procrastinate. And so by addressing those feelings of insecurity and maybe modifying the activity down, scaling it back to something that I know she can confidently do, I can build up her confidence first and then come back to the upgraded version of that activity. And she will come at it from a place of empowerment and confidence. Um, So thinking about Mm -hmm. the um, mental and emotional side of learning and prioritizing that helps us work through the tough days. And usually end them feeling successful. Even if we didn't do what I intended to do or what I thought we were going to do or the takeaway was something completely different, as long as we leave with that positive moment of connection and like Cynthia said, you're learning something all the time, especially at this age. So much of the world is new to you. If we can leave with any kind of lesson, I consider it a success. Uh, So what is your absolute favorite homeschooling resource and why? Cynthia. So ironically, one of my favorite homeschooling resources is the ability to outsource. As a homeschool parent, I know that there is so much that I want my kids to learn that I myself am not an expert in. So viewing myself as a facilitator instead of the sole educator has allowed me to give my children the very best education. I really took advantage of the resources that were available to me when we used to live in New York City. There were so many homeschooling classes and field trips and ava- that were available to us in a city. Now I live in a rural community, and so it's a little different how we outsource. Here in the U.S., there's something called dual enrollment, where high school students who are homeschooled can enroll into community colleges and maintain their homeschool status, but also get college credit. So doing something like that, which is what we did with my oldest child, uh, really gave him a taste of college life, but at the same time, let him continue to homeschool. My other son, who is my other son, who is currently in high school, uses many online classes through online companies like OutSchool. And we look for classes that fill his interests, not just check boxes off. So for example, we wanted him to have an English class because he wanted to get more motivated to reading different types of books. And we found this awesome science fiction class. So not only did it expose him to great classics like Jekyll and Hyde and Frankenstein, but it focused on this genre of science fiction and how it's changed and evolved through the centuries, what, how it's influenced real science, how it addressed social injustice and prejudice. And it just was a great experience for him. 
he loved the class and he loved the educator and she, he found her so engaging. He now wants to take a lot more classes with her. So I don't know. I find it ironic that most of the world is struggling with online classes right mm-hmm. now. And I can totally understand why, but my children have just developed such a different relationship with learning in general that they really thrive doing online classes now that they're, you know, as they got older in high school. They really benefited from being educated by someone different than me at times by interacting on an, in an online classroom, by just learning how to use that type of technology. I think it really prepared my son for college. Uh, some of the, the resources that he used in high school doing these types of classes really helped him once he got to college and had to submit papers on those same, same platforms. So that to me is an underutilized resource in the homeschool community. What about you, Justine? What is your favorite I, resource? I also have sort of a, a non-traditional answer. I, I would say Instagram. I feel like mm-hmm. something we talk about a lot at Learn and Live is that we focus on the parent or grown-up who is teaching the lessons just as much as the child who is learning them. And we offer a lot of those that encouragement and that empowerment for free on our social media platforms. And for all of social media's faults, I think one thing it does really well is remind you that you're not alone, that there are so many people who are going through the same struggles that you are, that are feeling the same insecurities that you are. And if we're all feeling them, then the problem is not you. And it's not probably not that you are necessarily doing something wrong, or if you are, here's somebody who can speak from a place of experience and help you find a better alternative. Uh, Something that I have really loved with our reels is just the feedback we get in the comments. And my favorite, favorite comment to get is, I I thought I was the only one, or this is so me, like, this is exactly what it feels like. And when we can hit on a point like that, that somebody was feeling very alone in dealing with it, and maybe they don't have a community of homeschoolers around them, or they don't have supportive relatives or people who are really building them back up, especially after those difficult homeschool days, we can be that resource for them. And I've found the same comfort when I see other um, homeschool coaches and other people who are trying to focus on helping parents and grownups to be confident homeschool families. Uh, I think that is such an important aspect of homeschooling that is sometimes forgotten because we focus so much on finding the right curriculum and something that suits our philosophy of learning, but doesn't necessarily think about our philosophy of teaching and how we need to build ourselves back up because we're giving out so much. Yes, I've also found an incredible community on Instagram because we don't have a lot around where we live as well. So I can totally Mm -hmm. agree with Instagram being such a great resource in that respect. Cynthia, if you were to think of one piece of advice for being a happy and thriving working homeschool mom, what, what would that be? Well, I think one of the things we talk a lot about at Learn and Live is that you're not running out of time. And it's hard sometimes to remember that when your kids are young because you might find these awesome curriculums or you'll find out about a class or a book or something that you just feel like you need to add all of this in. And it can become very overwhelming and eventually a a source of frustration if you become overscheduled. So I just because of my experience, I realized that you're not running out of time. The learning process is not something you have to finish by the time your child is 18. It is a lifelong process. 
And so if you view homeschooling as a sprint, you are going to get tired. If you see it as a very, very long marathon and you focus on learning because you want to love learning, then I think you're going to enjoy the view so much more. We joke about it all the time, my husband and I, because he says to me like, oh, you're so much smarter now that you started homeschooling the kids. Like I said before, this is why my autobiography would be like, I'm so much smarter today than I was yesterday, because it really is a lifelong process. And if you keep that mindset, you don't feel like you have to teach your kids, you know, everything they need to know. Instead, if you focus on let's just enjoy learning together, I think that that just changes your homeschool. I can say my math skills have definitely improved. (laughs) My history skills. Are you kidding? Like, I feel like I did not know a thing about the world until I started homeschooling. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, what about you, Justine? What would be your one piece of advice for a working homeschool mom? Mine would be to find a way to feel empowered in your decision making, because I think a lot of the lack of joy or the, the what drains the joy out of homeschool often is insecurity. And whether that's insecurity about what you need to accomplish in a certain amount of time or what other people think or keeping up with other homeschoolers you may know, it all ends up just taking more and more out of you emotionally. But if you can find a way to, like we say, be the boss of your homeschool, we want you to feel like the boss of all your choices, how you spend your time, what you prioritize, what you actually are allowed to, what you get upset about. Those are things that you get to own because they speak to your values. And if you don't feel confident in those choices, that's where that mental and emotional struggle really starts to pile up. Part of feeling empowered is educating yourself, seeing what the options are. Part of why our curriculum is eclectic is that we want to present people with a variety of teaching and learning styles so they can actually see what really works for their kid and themselves. Uh, We also want them to surround themselves with people who support you and build you up and will help check you if you're deviating from what they know really matters to you. And remember that the whole point is to have this incredible connection with your child. So if you're protecting that fiercely, everything else falls into place. Oh, I love that. Yes, that's really, really cool. And then finally, um, Cynthia, is there anything you're working on at the moment that you would like to share? And where can people find you online? Well, Justine and I both are working together at Learn and Live Letter to provide unit studies for children that are 3 to 11 or 12 years old. It is project-based for older kids, play-based for younger kids. The themes just range widely so that you can expose your child to so many fun themes and activities. Next month, we're working on um, emotional health, I think. Justine, big feelings. Yeah. So I'll let her tell you about it because she's she's better with the words. I'm the schedule person. Yes. So we are working on big feelings for our levels one and two, which are really targeted around emotional intelligence. Something that we really pride ourselves on is that we think beyond just academic skills in our program. Um, So whether that's incorporating life skills like cooking and helping out around the house um, or understanding why you're having a tantrum and why something, what frustration is, what empathy is, how to um, see yourselves as part of a bigger world. Uh, That's what we're focusing on a lot in that unit. We also have a lot of really great country-based and culture-based unit studies coming up. 
those we have a lot of fun with, just all the different ways that you can apply a culture through music and art and food to that country's ancient history to its modern day. And you end up with a very well-rounded child who knows a, knows a little bit about a lot of things and also has a deeper understanding of people who might be very different from them, but sees them from a place of value and appreciation, which, you know, I think is good for all of us sometimes. And if anyone wants to learn more about our program, our website is learnandliveletter.com. Um, we're also very active on Instagram, as you mentioned, at learnandliveletter. Everything that we offer on Instagram is free. Uh, so we have a lot of that parent empowerment, um, a lot of support, emotional support there. And our subscribers get that tenfold um, in our newsletters that we send out with their lesson plans. There's so much that we are able to share on social media. And I feel like I see so many homeschooling coaches that are making themselves available. And it's really, it's really great that people are able to share their experiences. And just one thing that I feel like is unique about our, our marriage together, Justine and I are able to take our two different experiences and meld them into this really great program because um, I, of course, I've done this already once through. And I feel like I don't want to call myself a homeschool expert because I feel like that is just... It's just my own experience, but because I have authentically and truthfully lived this experience from start to finish, I come from a different perspective. And then Justine, because she's just starting off, is able to really live in the moment of all of these things. And I think that together we just come from a really unique place um, and we're really able to offer homeschooling families something really special because of that. So I just like what we're able to give them just people in general who are going through this experience. I like the support that we're able to give them, how we're able to laugh at ourselves through the reels and laugh at the experiences we're having, but also just give some knowledge and encouragement through the way that we present our, our program. It's important to us that people feel joyful about homeschool. I think when we first started talking about even launching the company, I was just telling Cynthia about my coworkers are all freaking out. They're dreading this process and I have loved it so much. And I wish there was a way to give people that same joyful start because you feel it, your child will definitely feel it. Um, so that has been a goal from the beginning is to help people find joy in their homeschool and like Cynthia said, whether we do it by laughing at the quirks and awkward moments of homeschool on Instagram or by really talking about the deeper issues that are happening in our minds and hearts when we enter this world, that has probably been the most rewarding part of it for us is that we are, the children are learning so much and we see so many happy faces in the posts that our subscribers share, but we also get such positive feedback from the grownups that are doing it about how we've changed their perspective and we've given them the joy back of what they're doing. So that is incredibly rewarding. I really hope you enjoyed the episode today. Drop me a DM on Instagram or post on the Working Homeschool Mom support group over on Facebook and let me know what resonated the most with you. It would also be great if you could rate, review and subscribe or share the podcast with a working homeschool mom who might need it. Until next time, take care.